Welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. On today's episode, we talk about protecting our most valuable resource, time. And we're asking ourselves, what are the top five ways a lawyer can streamline their practice? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Hello, Darlene. (laughs) Good morning. I'm a little kooky. A little kooky this morning. Little kooky, little. I personally feel a bit out of practice on on podcasting. How about you? But just so in my bones. It's just so <laughs> who I am. I never feel I'm proud. Life is a podcast, Darlene, as they say. Life is a podcast. Well, maybe on the side you've been doing your gardening podcast. You're just to myself, life, just to yourself, ready big to release to the world. By the way, big developments. I know that we should keep it to the end so everybody listens because everybody wants my gardening updates. But I have planted seedlings with my daughter, and we have some lettuce sprouts coming up already, and some kale. It's looking very promising this year. Wow, so, kale, very, very, amazing! Very just to stick with our theme. That's awesome. Yeah. I do not have any kale going on at all. Well, some of us are just doing better than others, I guess, Darlene. (laughs) Some of us are really (laughs) winning and others are not. Thank you. You've been painting your house. This is what you've been doing with your lock-in, self-isolating, social, physical distancing times. Painting. Yeah? Yeah. Doing a lot of painting. And hilariously, on my group chat with my friends, I said, I'm painting and listening to podcasts. And one of my friends thought I meant like masterpieces, like Da Vinci style painting. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, no. (laughs) Although that's a much better idea, really. If I had the talent, that would be super cool. And I kind of like the thought of that. But no, I'm painting stairs, Googling videos about that good times. I find that it's just like a bit meditative and relaxing just to stick with the theme of stress relief through these times. Yep. I've been doing a lot of drawing with my daughter. She's really, she enjoys drawing a lot. And there's this great, YouTube is good in these times, certainly. There's a great YouTube channel that teaches kids, like it does little drawing lessons for kids. And so I sit beside her and we do it together. So now I can draw like a, what they call it, a myrmicorn really well. And that is a mix between a mermaid and a unicorn. Mm -hmm. And some superheroes, Wonder Woman. So yeah. And I know all about Wonder Woman's origin now because we got my daughter, the Wonder Woman's origin story. And I've read it literally 20 times this week to her. She loves it. So that's been, that's been what's going on with me. Yeah. Good times. And we're also doing a lot of coloring and I've discovered I'm a little OCD about coloring because what my kids like to do is they like to come in and color on the same page that I am coloring and I am Mm -hmm. not making Da Vinci art, but I would prefer that my coloring kind of finished. Might want to let that go. I might want to let that go. (laughs) I might want to get my own coloring book, do it in my free time. (laughs) Yeah, just an idea. Just an idea. Well, good. So we've obviously spoken a lot about how we're, I don't know if there's a difference between personal time and professional time anymore, given that we're all, most of us are uh, at home and certainly lawyers predominantly are now at home working in these times, as they say. But today we're going to be talking about how lawyers kind of protect and keep their most precious resource, which is time. And we're going to actually, for the first time, uh, have a couple fellow inter alia lawyers on the show. And we're going to go through a top five tips for in-house lawyers, but really I think it's applicable for not only lawyers that are not in-house, but for many other types of 
professionals. Uh, we're going to go through the top five tips to kind of streamline your practice, which I am very excited about. Darlene, how yes. do you feel about this? I feel so excited about it. I am really, we've been focusing so much on just general tips. We haven't really delved into workflow tips in a while. We've been talking about life, high performance, mindset stuff. And I think that having the whole the whole team come together and try to pool our knowledge about what works in-house or just to generally streamline workflows has been so interesting just to see even, I know you'll explain everyone's background, but we all come from very different backgrounds, but yet we came to the same conclusions when collaborating on this blog idea. So it also exists as a blog which you can find on the website. And we tried to keep it very, very, very short, which is great. You guys wrote it. I did not write it. That was also awesome. I love this. I love this idea. And I'm excited to talk to everybody. Yes, I am now a published author. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I will say that for those of you that know my contractual status on this podcast, I'm waiving my exclusivity to be the only other non-founding lawyer on this podcast uh, for this <laughs> one only. So I'm oh eating, I'm trying to quell my ego and allow some other people to step into my spotlight. And so I'm very excited about that happening. Yes. All right. Jokes aside, we're going to introduce our two very valued uh, Interalia lawyers joining us today. So first is Chris Sands. Before joining Interalia, Chris practiced in-house as a senior counsel in the technology and operations legal group at a major Canadian bank. He also served as director of legal at a uh, leading Canadian cannabis company. So bank and cannabis, this guy's got a great background. Before working in a house, he was a technology and corporate lawyer at a major firm in Toronto. And his favorite quote is, don't find the fault, find the remedy. Do you know who said that, Darlene? Well, I do, but only yeah, because I'm... Because yeah. <laughs> you have <laughs> put it on the website. <laughs> Henry Ford. Henry mm -hmm. Ford. Great stuff. And then Vivian Leung is our second Interalia guest joining us today. So before she joined the firm, she was general counsel at a software company that helps enterprise customers stay connected through the network. And before that, she was assistant general counsel at an enterprise information management software company. She came up in private practice at a major firm in Toronto and spent some time practicing in Boston. And she is the winner of the Mid-Market Excellence Canadian General Counsel Award in 2017, recognizing the contribution of in-house counsel in a private company. Her favorite quote is, practice isn't the thing you do once you're good, it's the thing you do that makes you good by our boy, Canadian Malcolm Gladwell. So without further ado, let's go to our chat. <laughs> Team, what's up? Hello, Chris. Hello, Vivian. Thank you for sharing the spotlight with us today. <laughs> well, I have to say it's been very difficult. Uh, I spent the whole week preparing. So. For the ego hit. Let me Luckily. just say you're welcome in joining us today and for being co-authors with me and with you and with each other on the piece that we have up on our website, interalialaw.com. The, the blog is there. And also it's been just blowing up a spot on LinkedIn. So look out for that, everybody. <laughs> but so today, I guess, uh, Vivian and Chris, we're going to go through the top five tips to free up time for in-house legal teams. And again, as well, many of these things are applicable for other practicing lawyers and other professionals, because a lot of it has to do with personalities, workflows, kind of random asks, and so on. So I know to start, Chris, I think you have number five. Is that right? That is right. And I have prepared a, a wonderful sound effect for today's episode. It is a drum roll. And so after the drum roll, please hit us up with number five, sir. 
All right. So number five is turn down the loudest voice. And I think this is one that absolutely everyone has dealt with. I know all of us had this one as a common issue. And the idea behind this one is the person who's most willing to send you requests for drafts right away or getting right on their project and is constantly following up isn't always the person who has the best sense of what your priorities really should be. And when we let that person, the person with the loudest voice, set our priorities, it can mean that we aren't working on the things that really matter most to our business or our clients. And it can also lead to a lot of wasted effort. Just as an example, I had one client who actually suspected this was going on and decided to start tracking engagements from start request all the way through to implementation. And what they found was that a majority, and it was a significant majority of requests that they received for, this was in this case, agreements, actually weren't being used. And it gave them sort of the data they needed to focus on turning down the loudest voice. And when they did that, they were able to free up a significant amount of time and effort that just wasn't being well spent. And that was slowing down work on actual priorities or for other business groups. And it ended up being a huge time saving as well as better alignment for the business with the priorities that were actually important to the business. To address the loudest voice, we have a couple of recommendations. And the first one is to set clear priorities. You know, work with your business teams to figure out what those should be. Is it revenue that should be the thing that drives priority or something else. And oftentimes, working with leadership in the business team can help you prioritize the deals and make sure you're working on the things that matter most to the business because they have the sort of overview of what it is that the business is trying to achieve. And sometimes you don't have the full picture. I found working with leadership is particularly useful when you're kind of caught between the priorities of different departments. And it also just helps you ensure that your priorities are aligned with your business's priorities. Another recommendation we have is to set clear timelines for your client groups, seven days from request to a draft or 14 days if it's something that's bespoke. This can be a challenging one, but it can really help with turning down those constant requests. If you can say, well, thank you for this. We'll get back to you in X amount of time. They sort of know what to expect. And oftentimes the follow-ups are based on not knowing what to expect. What we found actually for one client was adding an automated email into their intake process that set those expectations at the time of the request really helped with turning down those requests for follow-ups because they knew what to expect. And as a result, they didn't feel the need to follow up quite as frequently. And then this doesn't always solve the problem. So having done those two things, when you have requests come in, you can always now refer those loudest voices to the timelines and the priorities that have been set by the business. And that helps objectify it. It helps make it so that it's not a personal refusal to do work, but it's a, here are the expectations. Here's what I've been told I need to do. 
or here are the priorities that the business have set, and here's why your work isn't being done on the timeline that you'd expected. And it's helpful having had those conversations with leadership because when the loudest voice or if the loudest voice is not satisfied by that, you have somewhere for them to go to say, look, I would like to prioritize this deal for you. It's outside of the approach that we've agreed on as a company. And so let's take it up with whomever to try to determine if this deserves an exception. And oftentimes that will you know, either help you figure out if it really is a priority or if it's something that should be referred into a lower priority spot. Those sort of things, this all kind of ladders up to like great effects for the organization, I think. And But I would say that these steps also have a really positive effect on the individual lawyer dealing with the loudest voice <laughs> because having these very clear fence posts, having support from leadership means that you're hitting the priorities that you need to hit. So that feels good. Let us turn to number four. Vivian, here we are. Number four, find a home for misfit issues. The island of misfit issues. So in-house lawyers are often sent misfit problems that don't have a natural home. Often these problems are complicated. They might relate to new business activities. They might involve a outside third party or multiple departments within the organization. Very often they are larger projects that take quite a bit of time, but we would recommend taking some time to think through the following recommendations. The first is to make an assessment of whether an issue is a good one for the legal team to address. Often the legal team is well positioned for these sorts of misfit issues because in-house lawyers tend to know the business very well. We tend to be good at coordinating across different departments because we're used to working with different departments across the organization. Just Personality-wise, lawyers tend to be very diligent. We like to make lists. We like to get things done. And also, in-house counsel tend to be um, very senior within the organization, either sitting at the executive level or the senior management level, and therefore command a fair bit of respect across the organization. But very often, these misfit issues are not a good fit for the legal team. I would consider whether or not there is clear direction from the business team, whether there are issues that still need to be worked out or that don't have answers. I would think about whether there is buy-in and support from senior leaders of other departments. If other departments don't support the initiative, it's very hard for legal to be successful. If that issue doesn't fit this criteria, I would recommend that the in-house team identify a department which should lead the initiative and provide reasons for that. I wish I'd had that tip when I was in-house in the early years, because <laughs> I think just hearing you explain that, the difference is issue arrives in the department. And I can think of many situations, actually, where something came and it was framed as this is a deal that needs to get done, right? But really, it was a business model that was not yet worked out. And I would take on as a junior lawyer, the obligation to find out what all the different teams thought and consolidate their comments and all of that stuff. And I think the way that you've just laid it out, you could do a, just a slight tweak, still be valuable, but say, okay, here, I've looked at this. Here are the deliverables from the different business teams that I need to do a deal here. Please let me know what the answer is. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yes. And even if you don't lead the initiative, it doesn't mean that you don't 
want to or you don't need to be involved. It does make sense to offer to stay involved in the project, perhaps identify, like you just said, some decisions that have to be made by the business team before the legal team can weigh in. Maybe you can set up checkpoints or milestones where it makes sense for the leader of this initiative to come back to legal and have a little chat about the next steps. Yeah, this is just, especially early in my career, this was so tempting for me to get involved in. And I often talked about how legal was the Department of Misfit Issues. I always pictured like yes. Rudolph cartoon when with all the toys that have been banished. That, yeah. And it's like all those toys. Oh, they're so cute and different. And they're different from like drafting a contract and that like, maybe I can go play with one of those toys and that'll be fun. And yeah, it can be fun and it can be beneficial. You're a team mm-hmm. player, you're getting involved, you're getting your hands dirty. All those things are wonderful. But in the end, you have the stockpile of of actual legal that work that you have to get done. And it's you know getting higher and higher on your desk. And so I think the advice is really great, Vivian, is to be helpful, always mind and keep your role as legal as this project evolves, but not do as I did. And what Darlene was talking about with like, all of a sudden you're the captain and you're running the ship because in the end that there will be so much time spent, relationship stress, all those sort of things, that's not capital you should be spending on something that isn't a squarely legal issue. Here comes number three, stand down sheriff. Now, this is a situation I think a lot of people can understand if you are like not just a lawyer, but if you're just like a capable person in an office that people trust and know that you love process and that you'll follow it. Because oftentimes in a fast moving, constantly evolving workplace, a workplace with high turnover, a workplace with high growth, or a workplace that just doesn't have of general set processes, oftentimes what happens is the in-house lawyer or the other capable person or whatever office is asked to become the sheriff. And what we mean by that is to effectively make sure everybody else has dotted their I's, crossed their T's, monitored their P's and Q's, whatever the letter metaphors there are, to, to actually do their jobs. So for example, lawyers are often asked, okay, so when so-and-so comes with a contract request, we want to make sure that you check with them if they have confirmed with this department that it's okay. And with that department, and got approvals on procurement and done all these other things. And only if they have done all that and you confirm that, then you can give them the contract. And all of a sudden, then the lawyer or the capable person is not only tasked with doing their actual job, but acting as the sheriff and making sure that the requester has run around town asking everybody else if it's okay that this deal goes through. And this is a a really significant drain and stress on the legal department. It also makes the lawyers, as I kind of mentioned before, spend capital where they shouldn't be. This is other people's work. They should be following the process that exists. And it puts legal in that not so great position of being the like department of no or the babysitter or the double checker. It kind of really feeds those legal department stereotypes that oftentimes it's good to build yourself out of. So our recommendation is to work with senior leaders to make sure that all the teams are aligned on process and to the extent that you're asked to give advice, give advice on what the process should be. The best thing here is like when it comes to a contract, make sure that all departments have like a pre-approved menu of stuff. They're like, as if this isn't a contract, it's totally cool. You don't even know our approval. If you go off the menu, then you need our approval, like trying to establish those processes. Specify that no terms should be sent to legal unless approved through the process 
uh, kind of lets you deem approve what was occurred and move forward. And you can do that with kind of bounce back emails. Like Chris mentioned, very clear request form documentation. You can do that when you onboard people to how legal works in sessions with large groups at your office and so on. And you can create a certain workflow or use workflow software to ensure that requests and documents are properly shepherded through the approval process. And it provides a trail of who approved and when, which is super helpful. And so do all that, try to get out of the sheriff situation, but also understanding, especially for legal departments and lawyers, you do want to double check approvals for high risk items. So keep your eyes on that, prioritize your double checks on higher risk things, but don't agree to do other people's work for them is effectively what we're saying here. So stand down, Sheriff. This is one that I certainly struggled with as in-house counsel because of my natural tendency to jump in, roll up my sleeves and do this policing work. But I think you're right. We really have to push back and identify or create a process for this so that it's handled either through a workflow or software or matrix and not spend valuable bandwidth of lawyers to do this. Yeah, it's really hard and very tempting. And I agree. I think it's actually almost, I think if you can get the whole backing of the organization, the process is built and all that sort of stuff, it becomes very easy for legal to focus on their bit. Absent that, there's a constant balancing of, okay, well, I have to do my job as a lawyer to make sure that everything in this contract is right for our organization. And then that is like the gateway into running around knocking on everyone's door, right? And so really trying to strike the balance is difficult if you don't have the structure that we are, I think, trying to champion. So number two, here we go. Number two is minimize impractical outside advice. Outside counsel is often used for specific advice, for regulatory matters, for extra bandwidth, or for larger projects and transactions. That said, all of us have called our external counsel to ask them a quick question and received in response, a multi-page memo with an index, something we used to have to do in the U.S. was a 50-state survey, which is real punishment. I guess the Canadian equivalent would be a 10-province survey, or you'd get some sort of treatise on case law. This can be a huge drain of time and money. So here are a couple recommendations for how to reduce impractical outside advice. The first is to find outside counsel that fits your style. For me, it's all about the relationship I have with the partner and not about the firm. There are partners I've worked with at law firms throughout my side counsel that fits your style. Also, that they have to have the same risk tolerance that you have. There are some external counsel that I've worked with that are experts in their field. For instance, they've been a partner for 10 or 20 years say, in competition law or tax law or securities law, when I call one of those people and ask them a quick question, even if they answer me with the words, well, off the top of my head, this is what I think. That's usually good enough for me because there's trust in that person and I know that they have so much experience and knowledge. Communicate what you want. So be specific about the questions you want them to answer and also how you want their response. For example, do you want them to call you up, explain it by telephone so you can have a discussion? Or perhaps you want an email from them with point form bullets. My personal preference was never to have to scroll through an email. If I have to scroll, then it's too much information and they should just pick up the phone. Work. Like once you find someone great to work as external counsel, 
the longer you work together, the better the system gets as well. So I think if you're getting impractical advice and you've been clear about your expectations, then we have to make a different choice, as I say to my kids. Um, But we have been outside lawyers now. (laughs) And so certainly, I think we're well-placed to understand, yes, we've dealt with outside lawyers before, but now as outside lawyers, these are things I think especially that I'm live to. And it's imperative, I think, to really listen to the client ask. Because if not, we're talking wasted time, wasted resource, challenging relationships on both sides. So that's a great tip. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the moment we've all been waiting for, it is the number one... Wait, I feel like David Letterman. So this is why I'm really milking this. The number one tip to free up time for in-house legal teams is... Improve dense, confusing, or outdated templates. And this one is my personal favorite. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Templates should make your life easier. And if they're not, then you probably need to think about how to fix them. There's no question. It can be a real challenge to find the time to improve your templates. But as I mentioned, you can do it incrementally. You don't have to do it all at once. And the payoff can save you time that you can then spend on investing in your templates. When you're thinking about how to start, I think it's always helpful to think about the templates you use the most. Think about the amount of time that you'd be saving and think about the amount of risk you'd be avoiding. Something that I think a lot of companies use a lot is their NDAs and their sales contracts. And so they'd make a really good starting point for improving your templates. And it can be done, as I said, in little chunks, simple changes, like removing the need to insert the counterparty's address twice can save you a lot of time, even if it's just 30 seconds each time. It's 30 seconds times however many times you prepare an NDA or a sales contract. And it can really add up. So so it can be done in simple incremental steps. When you're thinking about making these updates, here are some tips that we found helpful. The first one is one of my favorites, and, and that's putting the business terms up front in a table maybe right on page one and page two. For one thing, it'll save you scrolling through the document and making changes in a whole bunch of different sections. Yeah, this is good. For another, it lets you align your contract with your legal intake form. So your business teams, when they tell you what they need help with, can effectively prepare a first draft of the deal for you. And then another benefit, and this may be a sneaky lawyer thing, I have found that it actually tends to reduce the amount of negotiation on the agreement overall. When all of the key business terms are right there on the first page, that's where the focus is. The idea is that it really reduces like the cognitive load of, I have to draft a new agreement. If you have that clunky 30-pager that you, where you're going through everything, you don't really like it, it's hard to update, it seems like a really heavy task, and it's very easy to leave that at the side of your desk and just like click on some emails and send quick answers, and that feels really tasty. But if instead you know that the template 
you love, you've done all this work, you have trust in it. And all you have to do is fill out a chart on the first page. I mean, that is exciting. You're going to be looked upon as super productive, efficient, helpful to business teams. And that changes, I think, the whole view of something that otherwise could feel very weighty and like a big to do on your list. Totally. Well, thank you guys for these top five tips. Very, very enlightening and interesting to hear, as I said at the top of this podcast, the continuity of issues and solutions across all different in-house backgrounds. Yeah, we have been in very different organizations. I think it really says something that we, I think, fairly quickly aligned on these top five issues and solutions to present. And as well, for those of you, uh, if you're not in-house lawyers and you've gotten this far, a gold star, I mean, first of all, holy smokes. But then as well, I think these are, I really do think these are things that are applicable in the workplace generally. I mean, everybody has a loud voice in their office that they have to find a way to deal with. People are, are often asked to deal with issues that aren't squarely in their job description. People are asked to do other people's work sometimes and be the diligent police officer. Or people contract out marketing work or other sorts of work and have to monitor those that they contract out work for to make sure that the product they get back is good. And I mean, if you don't, if you're in a job and you don't deal with the same type of paper or the same type of task routinely, I don't really know what that job is. And congratulations on your amazing, diverse, varied job. But mostly people have a thing that they deal with every day. And our note, our final note that number one, with regard to templates can be applied really broadly as well. Look at the thing you deal with most and make it better. And in that way, you will not only be more productive, but probably happier. And so wonderful tips, broad tips. Thank you all for your contributions. And also, I will thank you in advance for sticking around because you will now give us your goods and gripes after this. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with a buttery voice for our giving reps. Your buttery voice is in effect on that ad. I was noticing. I know. That's what I said before. That's how we got to the whole buttery voice thing a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yes. Okay. The, the, the is brought to you. I think I wanted to try to make it sound like it wasn't me or like a different, I don't know, whatever. You were practicing okay. for your voiceover. We did talk about that. Still looking it's for work on that, everybody. Yeah, you didn't anyway. get any, any bites, eh? Hmm. Okay. But you know, these times. Uh, okay. So <laughs> goods and gripes. So goods are things we want to promote and support and gripes are things that annoy us. Chris, do you want to start? Do you have a good or a gripe? I do. I have both a good and a gripe. So my good is it's been actually really nice having these virtual connections with friends. There's these group hangouts or the uh, house parties, virtual house parties that you can do. I'm finding I'm actually talking to my friends more than before this whole craziness started. So that's my that's my good. I've got a good and a gripe. My good is I really enjoy how simple my life has become now. There are times when it's obviously difficult if you have young kids, which I don't at home, but all the cooking and cleaning we now have to do. But it's really simple in that I'm not running errands anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I agree. Should we do, do the gripe? Yeah, or? let's hear the gripe. My gripe is 
taking up calls for Zoom and the video was on and I wasn't expecting it to be on. (laughs) Or the other participants are using their video and I feel forced to also use my video, but I haven't had a chance to brush my hair or get out of my pajamas. (laughs) So that's my gripe. <laughs> I on in a related note, I think it's very funny. So we have been practicing I have been practicing virtually since 2013. So it has not been a huge transition to go virtual during this pandemic for us at Interalia. However, what I find very humorous is that this whole culture of video calling, certainly we did the odd video call before, particularly with tech startup clients, but it wasn't totally necessary. Right. So I've been on a bunch of calls the last couple of weeks that could absolutely have been audio calls. <laughs> like <laughs> the conference call functionality still exists. Right. Yeah, totally. I am totally. so, I find it hilarious that everyone has just like parked the phone and now we're doing everything uh, on video. And sometimes in law, video is just not the appropriate mechanism. Like in a dispute, nobody wants a video call. <laughs> right. Like, here, here. My good is my wife and I have started to implement mandatory workouts. I know it does not sound good, but basically we both, twice a week, we both have a workout day and the other one makes the person do it. So it's been very helpful. It's like, so the, the example is it's like Wednesday, the kids are in the bath. Okay, now it's my day to my time to go for a run or go upstairs and do what yoga or something. And we do it because the other, because our partner makes us. And it's actually been great for both of us, especially in these times. And I think it might be something that, we carry over. So that's been really good. My gripe, which I think others can appreciate and is timely. I have ordered some stuff on Amazon for the kids to play with this week. My gripe is that things appear very large on Amazon on the online version. And then they come and they are these tiny, unimpressive things that I have built up way too much for my kids for excitement. So an example was I ordered one set of Lego that looked very big online and it came and it was the size of two iPhones and took my son like eight minutes to make. That was disappointing. And then today I ordered what looked like a small drum kit for my daughter that I was going to give her as a gift. And it came and it's, it's like the size of, I don't know, like something like a pillow, a tiny pillow and it's tiny and it's like for babies but it is for her age group. So that is disappointing. That is the world of online shopping when you can't look at something. And I guess I need to be more reliant on their measurements and looking at those and actually considering it. But I haven't been doing that. So that's my gripe. I find the reviews on Amazon very helpful to resolve those sorts of issues. Yes, good idea. I I should write those reviews. (laughs) This thing is really, really small. Just FYI, do not build it up to your children as something exciting. My gripe is related to things being too small. My gripe is I've been snacking a lot more than usual during this whole pandemic and haven't yet instituted a mandatory workout. And so it seems that all of my pants have shrunk and I don't know what's happening there. It's for sure the pants. Vivian and Chris, well done. Kudos and thank you for lending your time and expertise, not only uh, on the podcast today, but on the blog that is up on the Interalia website. Um, That does it for us. Uh, Darlene, I guess we'll talk soon. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Interalia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon.